Uh, we're glad that you're here with us. We are wrapping up a series entitled Hosanna. Um, for the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with this idea, this theme, this topic of Hosanna. We've been talking about Hosanna, uh, which means um, uh, God saves us, which means it's a shout of praise. And so we talked about um, Jesus and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and how the people laid down their palms, which is what we call Palm Sunday, and the excitement that people had laying down those palms and singing out, Hosanna, God save us. Uh, we talked about uh, last week at Easter Sunday that Jesus rose from the grave and he's looking to reach uh, two groups of people. He's looking to reach those that have uh, deserted him and those that have denied him. Either way, he's interested and very concerned about saving and reaching out to those people. And so now we come to the last part of this series here that we're going to find in the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of Matthew. Um, and as you're flipping through or scrolling through to the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, it's by your love and kindness that you, Father, uh, lavish us with your love. That you, Lord, protect us, that you watch over us, that you speak to us. And so, Father God, open up our hearts and our ears to receive your truth, uh, to receive your message, and to be the life-changing, uh, impacting people that you so desire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please stand with me as we read God's word and honoring it? Uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You guys may be seated. <clears throat> this is known through the huge religious circles as the Great Commission. It's considered the Great Commission because God, Jesus is giving his final instructions on earth. Um, he's commissioning, he's sending out his disciples to go do something. And so what I want to share with us for the next couple of moments that we have is we're going to talk about this Great Commission. We've talked about Jesus basically um, after uh, his entry into, into Israel. We've talked about him um, after the cross, and now we're talking about him basically after the grave, these final instructions he's giving us, this final information he's giving us, this final truth that he's giving us. And so I want to share that with you because it's important that we grasp what God is trying to tell us, what Jesus is trying to tell us in these next few passages of Scripture. He's come to save us. Well, how can he save us um, when he's no longer here is the question. Like I get the people in Israel, they're expecting this king to come down. He comes down this road and they're excited because they believe that this man is going to save us. And so after he dies on the cross, I get people being very frustrated and very upset that he doesn't do the things that he's supposed to, but yet wait, he comes back after the grave and he has all power in his hands and he's alive and he's vibrant and he's sharing with people and he's walking with his disciples. And so I get this idea that, yes, he's saved, he's come from the grave, he's now here to save us. But now Jesus is saying, I got to go back to heaven, which is kind of puzzling because he's going back to heaven. Well, how can this this, this spirit, this man, this God who's come to save us is now leaving. How will he save us? Well, he saved us because he died on the cross and his blood goes from eternity to eternity. So whenever we're looking for forgiveness, it's there because his blood covers us no matter what. You guys with me so far? But how does this message of salvation get carried on? Uh, there's no DVDs back then. 
There's no podcast. There's no, there's no internet. How do we get this message of salvation? And the message of salvation continues through the disciples. Are you guys with me? I got four points I'm going to share with you guys today, and I'll get out of your hair. I know we got to get ready for the Avengers movie. You guys are still a little hungover from Avengers weekend. I know Daenerys and them are getting ready for this big fight of <laughs> Game of Thrones. I know you guys are really worried, and so I'm going to get you through here, but just hang in there with me for a couple of minutes. Um, how do we deal with and how do we get this, this thing of salvation, this message, this, this God that's going to save us? How do we carry on this message? It's in point number one. He saves us. Jesus died on the cross, gives his life for us, that we would believe in him, and then he saves us to make disciples. Watch verse 19 of this passage of Scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. He tells his disciples that I want you to go make what? Disciples. He says that I want my disciples that have been following me and have been spending time with me for the last three years, I want you guys to take everything that you've learned, that you've heard, that you've been taught, and I want you to go make disciples. And in turn, you should make disciples, and your disciples should disciple, and your disciples that di- disciples should disciple disciples, disciples that they should continue to disciple. You guys with me, there's a, whole, you feel there's a whole lot of discipling going on. And so he says when you become saved, the object of salvation is not just not to go to hell. The object of salvation is that you would teach other people, that you would make them as well devout followers, studiers, understanders of the word, that they themselves would be disciples. And so what does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a devout follower. It means to be someone that lives out God's word, that walks out God's word, that breathes God's word, that interacts with God's word, that lives life in a way that other people are like, wow, and you are able to share what you know and your knowledge to other people. So if your goal is to be a Christian, you failed. Oh, man. (laughs) A tight message today. If your goal is to just be saved so that you don't go to hell and you got a free pass that you won't go to hell, then you've missed the mark. Salvation is not about just you being saved so that you can say, I'm never going to hell. I got fire insurance. Yay. No, that's not salvation. Salvation is that you're saved, that you're in a relationship with God, that you can share this message so that others can be saved. And so if salvation to you is coming to church on Sunday and paying your tithes or putting your offering in or lifting your hands for an hour or 20 minutes, and you're done for the week, you've missed the mark. I'll say it. Happy post-Easter message. I'm sorry. <laughs> Salvation is that we are saved and brought back to him. We have relationship. We are, we are, we are now being freed from this thing called sin that we are now free from, from hell. But it also means that there's work that has to be done. And so Jesus comes back and he says, after I tell my disciples, those that have deserted me and those that have left me and those that have denied me that I'm here for you, I love you, I want you, I'm thinking about you, I want you to be connected to me, I also need you to do what? Work. Because salvation is free, but it comes with a cost. And what does it cost us? It costs us our love, our life, our time. It costs us to be saved. What it costs us is that we have to put in the work. I had a young man that came over to the house and spent the night with uh, us, we went, we, uh, with Zeph and Tyler and all of them. They hung out. They, they went to Dave and Buster's, and we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we're in Buffalo Wild Wings talking about lifting weights. <laughs> We got, we got double, triple cheeseburgers and bacon, and we got fried wings, and we got a, a, a barbecue sauce, and we got all this stuff going on, and it's great, and we're sitting at the table, and we finish eating, and we spend 40 minutes talking about weight, <laughs> talking about lifting weight, 
and we're explaining to them that there's a difference between lifting and doing curls where you're just working this one part of your muscle versus the multiple parts of, of, of muscle in your bicep that you have to work. Come on, weightlifting guys. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so when you see people in movies, you see them do all this, and you think, that's what I want to do. That's not fully working that bicep. There's all these different ways you have to turn your wrist and turn your hands, and these small little moves work all these muscles in your arm. To really weightlift takes a lot of work. And so it's easy to go to church and do what looks like everybody else is doing and building their body up. You guys with me? But in order to really get that strong, strong full body, you got to move all different kinds of ways. You have to move in all different kinds of motions. You got to sweat and grind, and it hurts because it, all that work requires you to change and develop to be what God desires you to be. And in order to be a Christian, get saved. In order to live out God's word, which is to be a Christian, to be saved, and to do the work, it means you have to be a disciple, and it means in turn you are discipling other people. And if you don't see a trail of people that are following who you are, if you don't see a trail of people clicking in, scribing to who you are, subscribing to who you are, following who you are because they want to live like Christ, I would tell you to evaluate if you are a Christian or you're a Christian that's a disciple. Dennis, it's tough today, man. I'm still in point one, guys. If we want to really see where our Christianity is, if our walk is, where we are after salvation, I would say, look who's calling you, look who's emailing you, look who's texting you, look who's asking for help, and look who's asking for direction and guidance and wisdom and prayer. Do you have a group of people that are saying, I need to follow you while you follow Christ? Because his word says that you're not here just to be saved, but it's here that you would make other people great for him. And if you're not making other people great for him, then you have to reevaluate yourself. <sighs> Man. I'm, just, I'm using kids today. Just hang in there with me, fellas. I know it's, I know it's tight. Just hang in there with me. I'm trying to get this through. I'm trying to get this point across. So, come here. Stand up for a second. I know you hate me. I love you too. Stand up. This dude weighed a lot more back in September. You guys with me? When he finished the football season, he was one of the big kids on the line like the other three big kids on the line. He's been going to a personal trainer since December. Every Saturday, he works out for four hours. Every Saturday. He runs over a mile and a half every Saturday. He also goes to practice during the week working out. So when he came back to spring football in, in April, to begin in April, all the parents said, good Lord, son, you've lost weight, you've gotten stronger, you're faster, what are you doing? And the coach said, talk to Wade, because Wade's got his boys in a personal trainer, and they are working. You should see their YouTube videos, their Instagram videos, you see all the stuff they're doing. They're working out, they're losing weight, they're getting cut. Everything has changed. And multiple parents have come up to me and said, what did you do? What is the program? What is the regimen? Did you do it all by yourself? Did you do I explained all the stuff that we did. You guys with me so far? Everybody saw a change. Everybody on the football team that he's on looks pretty much exactly the same. He's on the line. They all look about the same. Big, strong kids with bellies and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and you have one kid 
that's putting in the work and that's changing his body, changing his speed, changing his strength, changing his everything. And now everybody's asking, what must I do to get like that? Hand me your drink real quick. He recognizes that it is hard work to be physically fit and on point. But he recognizes he is way better than everybody else on his team right now. You guys with me? And when the coach says, I want to train you not just on your regular level, but I want to train you on the next level. I want to get you ready for high school and college because I see something great in you because now you're at a way that you're moving, you're strong, you're powerful, you're amazing. We're going to change your whole diet program. And so he starts to prescribe this trainer who trains kids to get into Division I schools, these top colleges, University of Virginia, all these places. He says, we're going to change your diet program because now not only do you look great, but we're going to make you even greater. And so he starts prescribing all these meals and all this food and these nasty protein shakes that he's drinking. And, and you didn't drink a whole lot today. But all this stuff, he's prescribing to him. You have a seat now. God bless your ministry. He's, he's giving him all this stuff. Because he recognizes that in order for you to be great, you got to start chasing after greatness. And now that you're starting to be on the path of greatness and that you hunger to be greater, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to have people start coming up to you and asking you, what are you doing? How are you doing? I'm 10 years old. I can't tell you everything, but I'll tell you what I know. He's starting to help other people and his teammates, his team start to come to practice. Other people on his team are asking, how can I get involved in your program? His lifestyle is calling people to want to be connected to do what he's doing. Are you guys with me? In order to be a disciple, you are so focused on the mission that other people can't help but say, I see a change and I want to be connected to you so that I can be part of the program too. And that's what discipleship looks like. If you've been a Christian for 10 years and you ain't got nobody following you, you might need to change your workout plan. If you've been a Christian for 15 years and you're still not getting any more text messages on how can I be involved, how can I be connected, how can I be committed, you might need to change your workout plan. All right, fine, let's keep moving on. That's great. There we go. Point number two. He saves us to show others who he is. Watch this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says that when we are connected to God, when we're living as disciples, when we're walking out his ways, he says, I want you to start baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to start letting people see this public expression of who you are. I want you to be baptized in a way when people see you, they recognize that you serve the Father, Son, and the living God. They're all connected. They're all one. This is this giant thing. I want you to see who God is. I want people to recognize who God is. That's why we don't do baptisms in the back of the room. That's why we don't do it in a closet. We bring everybody out because we want people to see and celebrate that you are being baptized, that you are going underwater, being submerged, and coming back out in the representation of God. I want people to see and recognize who I am and who I believe in. Are you guys with me? And so he says, when we do baptism, when we baptize people, it is a public confession of letting believers and non-believers know that we are connected to the Lord, the God of the universe. It's just to baptize, not in the names, but the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who is the name? The name is, is I am, Elohim, whatever you want. To, it's God is the name. 
this is how I view it. These roles all represent each of these, each of these aspects, but this is how I envision it when I hear it. Baptize the name of the Father, the all-present and powerful and eternal one. You with me? All-powerful. Nothing is more powerful than him. All-present, never not there. And eternal, from before there was beginning to the end of there will never be an end as long as he is around. He's that God. The Son who is always present through his scriptures, through his truth, through his word. He is always visible. I can always feel him. He's always tangible. I can always look back and reflect on what he's done and who he is. The Holy Spirit, it empowers me to move past my issues. It empowers me and pulls me from sin. It empowers me and pushes me away from sin. It empowers me to know his will and to know his ways and to know his word. It empowers me to read his scriptures and have truth and revelation. It empowers me. They all have the same ability. They all have the same name. But in my, my mind, that's how I envision each of those working. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that stops me from strangling my kids when they don't do what they're supposed to. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when Rosie and I aren't connecting, I sit back and say, before I say what I want to say, how I want to say it, I'm going to go take a drive. I'm going to drive to that car that says E. And I'm going to walk slowly to the gas station. <laughs> I'm going to pump that gas. Because I need every moment to be right in how I respond to my wife. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers me when that supervisor says something I don't care for, I don't like. And today, my career is just a job. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? You know the difference? A career is for life. The job is for a moment. And sometimes you can have a career, and somebody can make you so angry, you don't care if it's a career or a job. Today, you might catch all of me today. And I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. I need the presence of the Lord with me that I recognize when I'm, being, when I'm being teased, when I'm being talked about, when I'm being tormented, when life is unfair, when life is frustrating, when people are coming to hate on me. I can look at God's word and I can realize that his word is still true, that if Jesus went through hard times, so can I. He's all and forever present. I can recognize that God is eternal and that he has power beyond power. He can do all things, and so my circumstances are not harder for him to create or be able to destroy. And when I envision him that way, that I went down as this believer, no matter what life is giving me, because I recognize the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to do great things. And when people see me empowered to walk out God's ways, and when I mess up, I admit it. And how could you humble yourself when you're the pastor, you're the husband, you're the head? Because God is more powerful than my pride. And I humble myself. And when people can see a man or a woman that's living that way, they have no choice but to say, what can I do to connect with you to kind of get that lifestyle that you're living? How can I be part of the team? How can I be the best individual on this team? How can I serve this team? What do I need to do to be powerful and mighty and strong with this team? It's because you bought into the regiment, into the workout plan. Man, I'm preaching today. Y'all ain't even, what's all right? It's good, it's good, it's good, it's okay. Point number three. He saves us to do his work. That's verse 20. 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. It sounds really hard when you read it like this. It says, teach these new disciples, these new people, they're going to come up next to you and ask you, how do I follow? What do I do? How do I live? Because the next word says, teach these disciples to what? Obey. And when we hear obey, man, that sounds tough. When we hear obey, it's like we're laying down these laws and these rules that they have to follow. When we hear this word obey, it freaks people out. When we hear this word obey, it makes us difficult because we don't want to sound like drill sergeants and instructors. This word obey means to guard. Catch that for a second. I want you to teach these new disciples to guard my commandments. I want you to teach these new disciples to protect my word and my ways and my truth. I want you to teach these new disciples to guard what's holy and what's righteous. I want you to teach these new disciples how to live and how to protect themselves in my word. He basically says that I want you to teach these disciples how to protect the ways of living right. I want you to protect the ways of living right. When we don't protect God's word is when all of this sin begins to fall into our lives. When we don't protect God's word and we don't keep it and we don't keep it tucked in and we don't watch over it and nurture it and live it out and carry it out the way it's supposed to is when compromise happens. I got four kids. They all got different personalities. They all got different emotional highs and lows. One's real pretty, flowy, and la la la. I got one that won't smile unless he's watching YouTube. Won't smile, nothing, YouTube. I got one that only eats and breathes one sport and one thing. I got one that just wants to play video games all their life. And I got to protect them from themselves so that they don't go down paths that they don't get. And so for the one that, that lives and breathes and sleeps one sport, I make life relate to that sport. I use the analogy of sports so that he gets life. You guys feeling me? And I rope him in. That one that doesn't smile, but only when it's like when he's watching, you know, Hulu or whatever he's watching. That's all myself. But whenever whatever the kid is, whatever that kid's name is, it just only can smile then. That kid, I got to rope him in through comedy and comic books. And I draw it back to superhero and good and right and wrong and Jesus and the ruler and things that are evil. You feel where I'm going? I got one that's pretty, and so she likes to talk. And my whole job is to talk, so I don't feel like talking when I get home. And I got to force myself to talk to somebody that wants to talk from the minute they wake up in the morning till they go to sleep. <laughs> Can I tell you about my day? No. <laughs> well, in first period, I said no. And the only way I'm going to get through to her is I got to force myself to talk when I don't feel like talking because I talk all day. You know, one is a video game YouTuber and TV watcher. I got to have him sit on my lap so we can watch YouTube and video stuff I don't want to watch and laugh and we joke and, ah, that's funny. That's really not funny. Ah, that's funny. And, and this is how we start to break down and start to build a relationship. In order for you and I to get to this place where we are relating and working with and spending time with people, talking with people, sharing with people, connecting with people, teaching people. 
we have to find ways to commit and communicate with them. Because regardless of where they are in life, our common ground is Christ, whether they recognize it or not. And I got to find every bucket that I can connect, that I can communicate, that I can call, that I can talk, that we can, that we can, that we can have conversation. I got to find every aspect, every way, every means. It's work to build a disciple. But if superheroes gets you to Jesus, man, I'm Batman, Superman, Thor, and Spider-Man. And if sports can get you to Jesus, we're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about hockey. We're going to talk about cricket. We're going to talk about lacrosse. We're going to talk about everything to help you understand wins and losses in Christianity and life. If you're makeup and thrills and frilly stuff, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, just like for real. One day I said, okay, mommy's gone for the week. She's doing the training. Uh, what do you want to do? I want to watch High School Musical. Uh, what? Oh, Daddy, I should paint your toenails. All right, paint them. She painted my nails. I'm a grown man. Painted nails. Watching High School Musical. And through High School Musical and getting my nails painted, we talked about right and wrong and what shouldn't have happened on that show and how Corden Blue or whatever his name is was wrong and she was right. And we built a relationship and we talked about Christ through those moments. In order to be a disciple that teaches other people to be disciple, to obey and understand the word, it means breaking yourself down in a way to reach folks, that their life would change. To the football player, I'm a football player. To the lady getting her hair done, we'll talk about that. To the guy at the barbershop, we'll talk about that. We will find a way of connecting because Christ is the common ground. And if I can bring it all back to Christ, we can start a relationship. And if you're not doing that, if you're not putting in that kind of work, then you're just a Christian in the mirror of the gym doing one exercise Sunday morning. Up, oh, life group. Nah, baby, this is Christianity. There's all kinds of ways to move these muscles, and it's going to require more work than just Sunday morning or more than just a Sunday school class or a life study or a life group. It's going to require you to work every aspect of who you are. All right, last point. <sighs> point number four, he saves us to be with us. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you even to the end of age. I love this because... To me, it has two great meanings to it. One is that he is with us every step of the way when we give our lives to Christ. He's in us in his word. He's in us through the conversations of other Christians and believers, through his Holy Spirit that pushes us away from sin and pulls us into righteous relationship with him. He's with us at all times. He speaks to us. He talks to us. He walks with us. It's knowing that the God of the universe Jesus, which is why he had to go back up into heaven, is because he, sent, he says, I have to send this comforter. I have to send this Holy Spirit that's going to come and lead you and guide you. And so for me to be one man that's with a group of folks versus me ascending up to heaven so that I can send my spirit to all that believe all across the world, I have to ascend back up to heaven. That my spirit will walk with you. That the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are this one God 
operate in different ways. And so he sends his spirit that dwells with us, that walks with us, that talks with us, that convicts us, that leads us and guides us in truth and righteousness. And it has this power and has this purpose, and he's with us always. It's why when we do things that are wrong, we're convicted. Because his Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Jesus is saying, come on, we have to do better. We're a better representation of that. As we're saying it or doing it, his Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? As we've done something great or we hear somebody who's going through a great uh, moment, we celebrate on the inside beyond maybe how frustrated or hurt we feel because we just recognize God's blessings and we're happy for them, even though we may not be at our happiest point ourselves. He says, I'm with you always. If nobody else gets where I am in life, Jesus does. Nobody understands my hurts and pains, Jesus does. In moments of great celebration when nobody else wants to celebrate with me, there's at least one person in the room that's not against me. And he's celebrating, and he's walking with me, and he's living with me. And then he says... I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. In this age that I live, my life, he's with me. And when I leave this earth, I'll be in eternity with him, and he'll still be what? With me. It's a Jesus that never leaves us regardless of on earth or not on earth, good times or bad times, happy or low, sad or great, whatever it is, he's always and consistently with us. And he said, this is the Jesus that saves us. This is the Jesus that protects us. This is the Jesus that walks with us. This is the Jesus that came to save us. This is why they screamed, Hosanna. Praise God, we're so happy that our Savior is here. And the Savior that is here is walking with us vibrantly and living with us and talking with us and communicating with us. The question is, are we meeting and we're walking with him? Are we doing his work? Are we living his life? Do we look like him? So I'm doing this, this marriage counseling, and this couple I'm doing, I'm doing marriage counseling with, I mean, you got me? And I keep saying to them, guys, it's such an easy fix. Why are we here? Every other week, we're here. And I keep saying, your problems aren't even that big. Why are we here? And finally, I said step back and I, I'm frustrated. I'm trying. I don't want to do marriage counseling every week. I don't want to take your money every other week. Some people, they want to meet with you in, for the next 12 years and take your money. I want to get us to a point where we can meet every week and then every month, once a month, and then every other month. I just want to kind of check in. That's where I get all my couples. And so we're here every other week for like since, since like October. I'm tired of seeing y'all. <laughs> every other Tuesday, I got to meet with y'all. I'm tired. I want us, I want us, why are we not growing? And finally, it hit me. It hit me as we did our individual one-on-one conversations. I met with the husband. I met with the wife separately. Uh, and we did our individuals. And, and it hit me. The light bulb went off. We're Christians. We're believers. We got married in the church. We had marriage counseling. What we didn't have was a conversation of common ground before you went into the marriage. You had common ground because you were Christians. But you didn't have common ground on how we are going to operate in a marriage as Christians. Y'all got the difference? So we're both Christians and we got married, but somewhere in premarital counseling, it wasn't with me, 
was with me, with Hannah's issue, but it was somebody else. You did premarital counsel with somebody else. And so we didn't lay out the groundwork of what compromise looks like and what someone submitting means to as the husband submits to the wife and the wife submits to the husband. And we didn't talk about all these common grounds of Christianity and marriage. We just said, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, we go to the same church, let's do it, baby. That don't work. That's not enough. And so now we got we to, gotta, I said, we got to figure out how we're going to tear down things that we've built on a bad foundation, smooth and fix and fill in the cracks of this foundation so that it's proper and build at the same time. This is a way more difficult challenge than if we were just coming together. You guys with me so far? And I said, we have to build this relationship. We got to do work while we're fixing the foundation. And for some of us, we came in and said, salvation, Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah, I'm saved. And we kept living our life. And no one guarded us and protected us and showed us how to share and live this word. People didn't pull us to the side and disciple us. People didn't talk to us. They didn't spend time with us. They didn't show us what Christ looked like. Sometimes we were saved and we're good and we'll figure life out. And so either way, somehow we didn't come in with the right foundation. We're saved, but we don't have the right foundation. You guys with me? And so we're off. It's not right. So we're saved. We sit in church. We do the church stuff. We, we pay. We do this. We wave our flags, our banners. We got bumper stickers. Stick them on the car. We're, we're super Christians. But we have no real legitimate foundation other than salvation. And if that's okay for you, You'll be on this old house one day. You'll be on one of these houses that that slowly begins to erode and sink because you didn't start buffering and fixing and doing the things you need to. And eventually, you'll be a house, but you'll be one of those houses that everybody drives by and says, who lives there? There's no way anybody lives there. And then one day you say, you know what? I saw somebody coming out of a house I thought nobody ever lived in. I don't want to be that house. And if your Christianity doesn't look like what we're talking about in the Great Commission, we got to fix the house. And if you're satisfied with looking uh, busted and your paint's peeling and nails are popping out of the foundation, if that's what you're okay with, those houses end up becoming condemned or nobody wants to mess with them. And I got people driving by in, in apartments and living with grandma that say they love to live in a house. But when they drive by your house, they say, I don't want that house. That house is for free almost. I ain't buying that house. It's almost free house. You just got to pay water, heat, gas, electricity. I ain't buying that house. Look at it as a house. I don't want that house. And we have people that look at our lives and say, that's a Christian. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. They cuss just like me. They sleep around just like me. They drug and drink just like me. They just like me, just like me, just like me. You and I should want to be this foundation that's reestablished and remodeled that when people walk by, they say, man, that's an amazing looking house. I wish I had that house. You want people to look at your marriage and say, I wish, I wish I had that. What are y'all doing? I wish I could read scripture and, and get it like that. What are you doing? What, what, what program are you in? Are you on live, the, the, the live app? What are, you, what, what are you using? That's the end game. See, I did that. <laughs> Superheroes, you missed it. That's the end game. 
Is it everybody's like, I want that. I want to be a part of that. I can't wait to get with that. Oh, man, how do I get a part of that? And if you have people knocking on your doors asking you what contractor you use, my analogies are deep today. You hear I'm digging deep with these analogies. What contract do you use? Who cleaned? Who painted? Who fixed? Who remodeled? If nobody's asking you that, there's a problem with your house. If you got people knocking on the door and they're asking you, man, wow. If nobody's knocking on your door and asking you about your life and your walk and your relationship and your marriage and your finances and how do I become better, if nobody's asking you how do I become better, we got to start back at the beginning. The foundation was jacked up. Discipling didn't happen or you stopped being discipled. Simple. Salvation is great. It's the greatest thing we celebrate. It's great. But if we're not reduplicating, if we're not making over more disciples, we've missed the mark. Our church is going to be about that. Your pastor's going to preach that. And if you don't like it, <laughs> trying to be Christian at this moment. You don't like that, if you don't like the fact that we talk about sin, if you don't like the fact that we're going to push you to be great, if you don't like the fact that we're going to talk about making your marriage work, if you don't like the fact that you emailed your pastor to help and he responded in the next two hours, I got a problem for you. This ain't the church for you. Go somewhere else. Because as I'm trying to hit that mark, our leaders are hitting that mark. And if you don't like it, then get off the ship. Try not to cuss. I'm sorry. I don't know how I'm Christian and still feel this anger. You know, there's something in here right now. I'm just, Arr. we want you to be better. And we're going to agitate the hell out of you. And I'm just like the hell, like not like, you know, the word. But like we're going to get that evil out of you as hard as we possibly can. <laughs> Work for me. <laughs> Save able to get one of those words out in a good way. Um, we're going to push you to be successful. Zeph works out with a personal trainer. He hates working out with me. He would rather go to his personal trainer than work out with me. Zeph says to me every time we work out, can we go to the treadmill now? Nobody asks to go to the treadmill. Personally, I hate the treadmill. (laughs) I'm not a cardio guy. I'm not. But I'm an hour and a half guy in the weight room. You got me? I love the weights. I live in the weights. I love the sound of the plates banging together. I love it. You come to the weight room with me, you're going to work. You're going to work. I'm tired. We got seven more sets, so I'm sorry. Stretch and work. We're going to work in the weight room. My thighs burn. Good. If it's not hurting, it's not working. Let's go. I can't lift my arm to right. That's life. Does it hurt right here? Ah! When it stops hurting, then we're good. We're back in the gym tomorrow. I love the weight room. If you don't love hurting, if you don't love that pain is stretching you, if you don't love that that these relationships are getting more difficult, if you don't love that you're becoming more defined like Christ and people are pulling away or you have to move away, then you're not putting in the work yet. But here we're going to work. 
I'm in coach mode. Let me bring it down a little bit. We're going to love you to death. You, you phone call us, you email us, you text us. We want you to be disciples, not Christians. We want you to be disciples that look like Christ. We want you to go beyond where you are. And this is where it's going to happen. Jesus left this earth so that we could do his work. And if we don't have a line of people knocking at our doors, we don't have people calling us or texting us, we are not the examples yet that we need to be. But we're going to work really hard to get there. I love each and every one of you. What I want from you today is commit to the Lord. Commit to the Lord. Your relationship. Recommit your heart. Recommit your mind. Recommit your walk. Recommit to your marriage. Recommit to your children. Children, recommit to your parents. I want you to commit to the Lord that he will begin to work a great thing in all of those areas. Commit to a church. If it ain't this one, go find one to commit to. It's going to let you walk out God's ways. Let me say that again. If it's not this church, then go find a church that is going to let you walk out God's ways. Don't commit to a church that's going to let you fall into the cracks and be part of the number. Commit to a church that is concerned about you becoming number one with Christ. We're getting ready to take communion. If your heart's not right, if you notice there's areas where the foundation is off, all you have to do is pray and ask for forgiveness. Be sincere about that. And begin this communion process of committing with the Lord, communing with the Lord. We have leaders. I'm here at the front. You can Facebook me. You can email me. You can Facebook, email our leaders, and we will walk with you back to a relationship with the Lord. We will walk back with you to have a relationship with the Lord. We want you to experience this discipleship, this love, this relationship with God. And we want you to come out of this weight room, out of this gym, out of this training program that everybody else is still being connected to you. Every pastor says, I'm getting ready to take my seat, and then they speak for another 12 minutes. 48 seconds. I've never seen a personal trainer not still be physically fit. Did y'all catch that? I don't see real trainers not still be physically fit. It's hard to talk the gospel, hard to talk working out, and you ain't working out. That couple that I told you about just like this, he said, Pastor, I hear you talking about working out. I heard you got back in the gym. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to pay you any more money. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> so I'm not paying you no more money to counsel me. I said, Okay. I'm not about money. I'm here for you, brother. Money or not, I'm here for you. He said, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to connect you to my personal trainer, big buff, swole dude that I'm counseling. I'm not paying you any more money. I'm paying you in, in, in counseling. I'm paying for my personal trainer. So every morning, <laughs> I drink these nasty shakes. I had a whole weight program. I can't tell my sons this is how you lift and you get strong and you get big. And I got big, swole guys walking by like, is this dude coaching his kids on how to lift weights? I don't look like the trainer. 
I got somebody investing in me that's saying, you're investing in me, Pastor. I want to invest in you. And so every week he pays for a personal trainer to call me and nag me and check my measurements and drink this stuff. So that I can, I can match up to what I, what, I, what I look like and what I used to love doing and how I used to look. He's pushing me. That's who we are. We're not perfect, but we're going to push you. As your hearts are getting ready for communion, as we're being discipled, we're desiring that God would use people to disciple you. Let's pray. Father God, it's by your grace. By your mercy, it's by your love that you look over us, that you lavish us with your love. That you, Father, desire so much more than just getting it done. More than just church, more than just a song, more than just a car ride with music playing. You desire us to be connected to people, sermons, messages that inspire us to do better, books that push us to be better, people in our church, life groups, emails, text messages, that we would grow to be the men and, God, men and women that you desire, not just on Sunday, but every day, that we would chase after you in a way that our hearts scream passionately and violently for the Lord, in a way that people start annoying us to figure out our plan of salvation, our plan of excellence and discipleship in you our plan of lifestyle. Bring that passion and that burden to us and bring those people as we grow and work out your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.